fungi have taken over popular media with famous video games and TV series like The Last of Us. But are fungi really as terrifying as those shows make it seem? Find out today on Boiling Point. Welcome back to Boiling Point. Today, I'm your host, Anastasia, and I will be sitting down with with Vanessa McPherson. Vanessa is our fungi expert for today, and we are going to be exploring the wonderful and beautiful world of fungi, because they're not just all zombies. Welcome to the show, Vanessa. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Excellent. I'm very well, thank you. Okay, so I, I want to start with the question that I'm itching to ask the most, and I think our listeners are also itching to ask, and um, there's a debate, especially I think between like different accents, and that, Mm -hmm. um, is it fungi or is it fungi? (laughs) Well, as as someone who works in science, often um, you'll go to conferences where, you know, there are big gatherings of lots of people and you'll sit down and start watching people present their research and you go, oh, wow, that's a great that's a great thing that you're talking about there. Mm. And it's only at the end of the talk that you realize that they've been speaking about something that you know very well, but they've been pronouncing it differently from what you always have. So to answer your question, it actually doesn't matter. Mm. Um, If you say, if you, if you've got a way of saying it, whether it's fungi, fungi, um, if you say it with confidence, then that's what it is. Okay, excellent. Um, now, second <laughs> most important question is, uh, do Absolutely. you have a lot of dad jokes surrounding mushrooms? And can I tell you one of them? There's probably um, not mushroom in this podcast for Damn all it. of them, but sure, go for it. That was one of the ones I was going to say. So the one I was going to say was a fun guy walks into a bar and says, there's really not much room here. <laughs> You're a fun gal. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, Vanessa, now let's get into the nitty gritty. Um, Why mushrooms? What got you interested in in the mushroom world? To be fair, they're delicious, um, but why study them? Well, actually, the the mushrooms that we have here in Australia are really beautiful. So um, mushrooms kind of refer to that um, typical toadstool structure that we see in fairy um, fairy tale books and stuff like that. But fungi actually have all sorts of different forms that can look like little cups or pins or just so many weird and wonderful things. So the fungi that I like to look at encompass all those sorts of different types. And in Australia, we know that we've got a lot of unique plants and animals that can't be found anywhere else in the world. And our fungi are much the same. Um, it's it's um, probably not unfair to say that most of our fungi are unique uh, to Australia, which is just really exciting. Yeah, that's that's very cool. Now, um, explain to me the kind of life cycle of a mushroom and, and, and fungi. So from what I understand, when we see a little kind of mushroom right off of the ground, that is nowhere near to what it is like underground, right? Like it's a whole basically city right and then that's exactly right is it always that they're all one individual like I guess I'm, I'm not sure I understand the whole life cycle of a mushroom 
Yes, that's a really good question. And I think it depends on the type of, of um, fungi that you're looking at. So there are some really, really old um, fungi like like you um, referred to where it's just the one individual that is just thousands of years old. Um, and there are situations um, where fungi form really cool partnerships with tree roots. So as you were um, referring to before, fungi spend most of their time underground in these little networks and cities, which um, are called mycelial networks. Mm. And that's basically just like how they hang out for most of their life. And um, when we see these fruiting bodies above ground that um, produce spores, that's sort of like the equivalent of flowers on a plant. So what we're actually seeing is just the reproductive structure and everything else is going on underground where we can't see it. Um, but yeah, they, they have a really important role in, in the ecosystem by providing those networks that mm. trees can tap into and they the trees can kind of um, communicate with each other through these mycelial networks. It's quite an amazing thing. Mm -hmm. And in Australian ecosystems where you've got um, lots of different trees hanging out together in the bush, it's really important that there are also lots of different fungi so that the trees can be connected to each other um, without out competing or um, trying to steal everything from all the other trees or like, so the, the diversity of fungi helps to keep the diversity of plants above the ground. Oh, really? Could you expand more on yeah. this symbiotic relationship that fungi and plants have? Yeah, sure. So we're often told, um, like at school, for example, that it's the roots that help trees to obtain water and nutrients. And that's not untrue. But the other part of the story is that it's actually the fungi that release the nutrients from the soil that make it accessible to the trees. So fungi have such an important role in this context because they actually allow plants to access what's in the soil, and that includes water as well. So, so, um, so what is it that the fungi themselves eat? Or get That's the a nutrients. really good question. Yeah, so um, to answer that question, I'll just backtrack a little bit and say that fungi digest things kind of in a reverse way to the way that we do it. So we put things in and then we digest them on the inside. But fungi actually release things out and digest things on the outside and then they can take materials in which the trees can then access. So... The way that fungi get their materials is by forming these relationships with trees. And then because the trees have access to sunlight and they're photosynthesizing, so they're basically making energy and sugars um, from sunlight, um, the fungi are then able to access those sugars and carbon and other things that they need um, from the trees. And in return, they give them the stuff from the soil. Mm, okay. So is it kind of fair to assume that every tree needs fungi to survive? Like, is it true that we might just not see the network of, of fungi that are underground, but very likely there are some with every tree that we see? Absolutely. So about 95% of plants are dependent 
on fungi for their survival. So the ones that are not dependent on fungi for survival are kind of specialists. Mm. So there, there are some uh, plants that are carnivorous. So instead of relying on fungi for their nutrition, they catch insects and they get their nutrition from the insects instead. Um, there are also plants that live in really extreme environments that are really well adapted to trying to get nutrients from their surroundings. So things that live in really salty environments or that live in trees um, or even plants that parasitize other trees, mm -hmm. they're a little bit less reliant on fungi. Mm -hmm. um, but anything that you see growing in the ground um, that is part of a, a complex ecosystem is going to have some kind of relationship with fungi in some way. Right. Yeah. Okay. So um, in my opinion, when it comes to a part of the fungi, it's what's above the ground that's super cool, right? You see all of these different fruiting bodies, ones that like puff up and release all of these spores, ones that smell like rotting flesh and, you know, just like mm -hmm. a huge variety of different ones. Um, but what is it that triggers those fruiting bodies to come out? Like, because I mean, typically, just from a naive perspective, after rain, right, we see a lot of fruiting bodies. So my, my first question is, what other triggers are there? And why are they triggering, you know, these reproductive organs out there? Yes, that's a really good question. And um, actually, after the huge amount of rain that we've had in the last couple of years, um, we actually noticed that there were a lot fewer fruiting bodies oh. um, than what we had expected. Yeah, so hmm. it seems like there are quite a few things going on that, that trigger these reproductive bodies to, to kind of feel like it's a good time to come out. So I think what, what, we're, um, what we're thinking is the case at the moment is that it's probably actually cold temperatures that trigger this kind of um this i guess um assessment of the the environment that it's okay to you know make um spore producing bodies mm -hmm. so from the perspective of a fungus and its sort of limited capacity to interact with the environment and receive stimuli um the best way of predicting what today's weather will be like is to look at what today's weather was like um and if you kind of get a week of cooler temperatures it sort of signals to the fungus that you know it's it's time to um make a, a reproductive structure and kind of know that it's going to be safe from getting burnt or um eaten or buried or you know something something that could destroy it is less likely to happen mm -hmm. so it seems that cooler temperatures um seem to stimulate that you know if it's been cold for like a week or so mm -hmm. um unfortunately with um, climate change at the moment and just the the unpredictability of those patterns and the extremes that we're seeing um it's 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 possible that this could disrupt those rhythms um as well and it does also depend on the type of, of fungus. Mm -hmm. So um, some things are, you know, a lot better off if it is raining um, because that is actually the mechanism that they rely on to distribute their spores. Mm. So I guess 
Um, it does depend on the type of fungus and its method of dispersing its spores as to where, as to what its triggers are mm-hmm. for um, reproducing. Well, that actually leads me perfectly into my next question, into how do they reproduce? Do they sexually reproduce? Because from my perspective, I always thought fungi were strictly asexually reproducing and the spores were basically like little baby mushrooms, you know, floating away somewhere to start their own little, you know, city network of fungi. But how do they actually reproduce? So actually, there's a little bit of both going on. So there are some things that are able to reproduce asexually. Um, So there are some um, what we call entomopathogens. So entomo just means like, you know, to do with insects Mm. and then pathogen means that it causes a disease so there are some uh, types of fungi that cause disease in insects and there is only one type in australia so um they always reproduce asexually so the one that i'm talking about is a species of cordyceps um and that um attacks like little baby um, moth and butterfly larvae. Mm-hmm. Um, those ones do reproduce asexually, um, but there are also others that can reproduce. So when these different spore types, so in fungi there are um, there's sort of like a mating type A and a mating type B. There's not really the same male and female um, kind of concept, but like there are two different types, and if those spores come together, they can produce. Um, or a certain new fungus, um, uh, like gene type for mm. that particular fungus. So, you know that fungus that um, a lot of like zombie movies and and stuff are based yeah. on. Like, it's a real fungus, right? Um, it, I mean, obviously, it doesn't take over humans yet, uh, <laughs> but um, it takes over. I believe it's ants, right? Or or is it any insects that it takes over? Um, like, why why does it do that? Why does it take over the brain of a of an animal, uh, you know, an animal so small, but still, why does it do that? Yeah, so there are actually lots of different types of this um, zombie fungus. Excellent. And yeah, great. More to yeah. go around. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll share them with all of the interprets. Yeah. <laughs> so some of our poor spiders also um, get this in Australia and even in, in Sydney where, um, where we are now. Um, there are some spiders that I've seen on some of my field trips where um, they're just in really unusual places and you can see the the fruiting bodies coming from from the spider's body. So the way that these zombie fungi work is that they'll infect their host. So whether that's um, a spider or um, a moth or an ant, um, they will infect them and then they will slowly con- Consume the insides of that host, mm. starting with the um, gastrointestinal tract, so like the guts. Um, and as I was talking about before, fungi digest things by um, putting these um, like digestive liquids out, mm-hmm. and then they digest everything on the outside, and then the fungus can then take in all of the nutrition. So the same thing happens in all of these insects. So um, things are digested and the fungus slowly grows and gets stronger and it saves the brain for last. And once 
it's sort of at that stage, the fungus will interfere uh, with um, behavior by changing some of the biochemical pathways in the brain. And that often causes the insect to, beh to behave in ways um, where it will climb upwards or it will bite down or it will just do something that's really odd. But it becomes apparent later that these sorts of behaviors actually aid in dispersing the spores of the fungus. So once the um, host animal has has done this weird behavior and say, for example, crawled up a tree and bitten down really hard mm -hmm. and then eventually died, um, the fungus will erupt from its body and produce um, one or multiple fruiting bodies. And because it's really high up, the spores can then disperse and reach lots of new hosts. Um, so, yeah, it's basically a quite a brutal spore dispersal mechanism definitely yeah why would something like that evolve yes yeah, so you can imagine that um over time the selection um pressure so basically the the things that would favor this as a successful method mm -hmm. of um reproducing and spreading um this is actually a pretty effective method because it, it means that you can be dispersed several ways. So not just by, you know, other animals coming to check it out, mm -hmm. but also by wind or by um, like other animals coming and crawling over mm -hmm. that sort of pathway. Um, there are just so many avenues of, of like making yourself known and, and getting carried to lots of different places um, that it it has proven to be successful so the more times that happens in an environment mm -hmm. the more likely that that is to continue happening and this method has shown to be like quite successful yeah exactly um, I mean yeah so it's yeah that's in that's really incredible um the different kind of mm. varieties of of fungi like you know I mentioned before there's ones that smell like um rotting flesh and so what mm. Those different kind of we we went through this the zombie one right like why it's doing that yeah. um but then there's other you know fungi that are beautiful in color or smell and would those all come back to how they prefer to reproduce or I guess not prefers is the wrong word but kind of increasing their chances of reproduction is that all because of that because I can't imagine like a beautiful you know you, you were talking about like in fairy tales the red mushroom with the white yeah. dots like. Is it color that's attracting things? Is that really what it's for? So color can can kind of work in two ways. Um, it can either be as a warning, so don't don't eat me because I'm poisonous, mm. um, or it can be to attract. So the ones that you were talking about in the in the fairy tale books, um, they actually very very poisonous so oh i would imagine <laughs> yes i know i was really surprised when i first started looking at these as well because i was like why did we put them in children i books? know oh my god the <laughs> little hedgehogs are always like going around collecting them and building homes out of them and stuff <laughs> i'm gonna say there's some magic of fairy tales that makes them non-toxic mm -hmm. but in 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 real life um those those mushrooms are very very poisonous um and um but then you know you've you've got the flip side of that which is where that coloring is is like um meant to attract things so 
the one that smells really bad that's also really bright that I think you're referring to, which is also known as the starfish fungus, mm-hmm. um, that was the one that was the first fungus to be officially described in Australia, which is pretty cool. Very it cool. smells awful. It smells <laughs> have you really, smelled really it before? Bad. I have. I have. Not not on purpose. Like <laughs> I kind of just went, Oh wow, that kind of smells like something's not not great. And I, you know, was walking around and and then saw the fungus and went, Oh, there we go. <laughs> but it looked it looked beautiful apart from the the brown smelling stuff in the middle Mm. but the reason that it was bright red and looked beautiful is because and also the reason why it smells bad is because trying to mimic um uh rotting flesh Mm -hmm. so that flies will come and visit it and and disperse the spores that way Mm. because you know flies like a good a good piece of um rotting meat that smells really awful right so yeah Okay, so just back to the the ones that are poisonous. Why are some fungi so poisonous? Are they only poisonous to to some animals, or are they poisonous to all animals? And why be poisonous if you want to spread your seed? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I think there's um, like with lots of things in the plant and animal kingdom kingdoms, it's sort of similar with fungi in that there's a there's a huge range. So um, the poison could be to try and um, deter things from eating it because if the the spore dispersal mechanism is not through, um, you know, like going through the digestive tract of an animal or something like that, then the goal is to um, keep your reproductive structure up for long enough that the spores can be dispersed the way that they need to be, Mm. but like without getting eaten. Mm -hmm. So the the fact that all of these things well lots of these fungi are poisonous probably indicates that you know there's there have been a lot of things that have tried to eat them through history mm-hmm. <laughs> and like over over lots of generations and over lots of time um they have become poisonous but also the animals that you know live close by have come to know that you should you just don't eat those things mm-hmm. Um, so it's sort of like how plants have lots of defense mechanisms to stop um, herbivory, so to stop being eaten by, um, in, stop themselves being eaten by insects or um, uh, other grazing animals. Um, fungi also have um, these defense mechanisms to to try and keep their reproductive bodies up for as long as possible to increase their chance of dispersal right okay that that definitely makes sense now so what kind of research do you do with the fungi yeah so my main interest is in australian um fungi so um i have a particular interest in what are called the club and coral fungi so um we've got these mushrooms that are the toadstool shape but club and coral fungi I mean, they look like they sound like the clubs are like sticks. They look like clubs. <laughs> and the coral fungi, they really do look like they um, belong underwater. They're just beautiful. Um, and one of the things that I really like about them is that they have lots of different lifestyles. So they can be parasites like we were talking about before where they, um, um, you know, uh, cause disease to an invertebrate. Uh, or they can be recyclers, so they don't 
don't have super close relationships with trees where they're kind of helping each other to survive, but they do a lot of recycling on the surface. Mm -hmm. Um, Or they can have these really close relationships with trees. Um, So because these club and coral fungi have all those different um, lifestyles, I thought it would be really interesting to look at what they are, um, what they do in our ecosystems and to to, um, use what they look and also their DNA, so their their genetic material to try and get an idea of, um, yeah, what they are and and how unique they are to to Australia and to, to us here in Sydney. Right. And so do you document all of them that you, you know, any new ones that you find and describe them and things like that? Absolutely. So I have so many spreadsheets and so many photos because they are just amazing. <laughs> um, so the the process to describe new species is actually fairly long. Mm. Um, and I'm still learning a lot of the, the microscopy. So like looking at the spores and stuff like that, that's required. Um to do to do those sorts of tasks so we haven't officially described um anything new just yet but we've certainly got a lot of candidates lined up oh that's um, fantastic because yeah and just like the the number of things just in the local area Mm. um so a lot of a lot of this research started during lockdowns when when we had um quite small areas (laughs) leave home um, during, but just mm-hmm. the the incredible diversity that was even within you know a ten kilometer radius, mm-hmm. um, it was just it was just amazing to to discover. Okay, so I guess yeah. uh, do you have any word of advice for people who you know might just be your local people who might be really interested in finding some fungi and maybe taking some pictures of fungi, um, you know, to kind of help you on your journey of finding them and locating them um what what should we look for when we go out walking where should we look absolutely so where to look everywhere and um in front of your feet before you step (laughs) (laughs) so i've spent a lot of time in the bush like just standing with one leg up looking very weird you know in the middle of the bush you know just inspecting the ground before I put my feet down and I've often had people come up to me and go have you lost something and I'm like no I'm fine just my marbles I'm all good (laughs) um so I think my main piece of advice would be to just to just to look a lot of people going through the bush with headphones in or um you know, I, and there's just so much stuff that can be seen if if you're paying attention. And um, I think just um, not having expectations as well for mm. what you're going to find, like let it be a surprise because if you go out being curious, then you'll always find something. Um, in terms of finding things um, that, you know, if people want to send pictures or ask for potential IDs, um, I'm always happy to to receive photos um, and just get excited with people about the cool stuff that they've found. Um, one way of giving um, locations of things is to use the app What Three Words, so that that is usually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah so some of, some of the work that i do requires me to collect samples with a, a scientific license so if people give um the gps and a photo of the specimen um it makes it it makes it really easy to go out and yeah. um and to be able to use that specimen um, in some research. Yeah, definitely, you um, know, stay yeah. safe, listeners. Let's not be touching any fungi just in case because we Absolutely. never know if they're poisonous. You know, you, you always want to be very careful when it comes to biology. Always observe and don't touch and take pictures, you know, and, and maybe other information. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for that, Anastasia, because it, it really is important in Australia. You know how there's that joke that, you know, everything in Australia wants to kill you. Yeah. Fungi are no exception. Um, they, they, and and also because we know so little about the fungi here, it's always best to err on the side of caution. Mm -hmm. And yeah, definitely don't touch them. And if you do think that you've touched them, to wash your hands with soap and water and to seek medical help if you think you need it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, in general, don't don't eat. Just look and enjoy. Yeah, exactly. Well, you heard it here. If you do have any beautiful photos or anything that you'd like to ID in terms of fungi, feel free to send them to Vanessa. We will have all of the information on our blog post at Eastside FM. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Boiling Point. We'll see you next week.
other mama bringing feelings like no other with the wisdom to discover delve deep into the knowledge let us far trees now believing in the healing psilocybin so appealing it's a natural reaction satisfaction full attraction there's no need for polysexual liberation for the ancient medicines quiet down your legislations and listen to the earth and all her gifts sit back take a 